of independent thought my name is desmond price no matter where you are in the world i want to thank you for giving me a few minutes of your day to hear my thoughts as always we have a great show for you today now here are our topics hello everyone welcome back to another episode of independent thought my name is desmond price Thank you for joining me today for what is my season finale. This will be the last episode that you will hear from me until at least sometime in July. So thank you for all the subscribers for consistently coming back and listening to this podcast. Uh, you will be notified of, of new episodes as they come out. Uh, so thank you for being subscribed if you are not already or if this is your first time listening to one of my episodes, please consider hitting that subscribe button if you end up liking this episode. Thank you. So today's episode is covering human trafficking. As I told some of you who are subscribed to my Patreon, that this would be uh, a subject that I planned on covering at the end of the season. It took me a little bit longer than I anticipated to kind of gather my thoughts around this subject. And truthfully speaking, this was a very hard subject for me to cover as just doing the research that I felt was necessary to bring this information to you all today. Uh, it definitely took a toll just kind of going through all the different testimonies and hearing some of the stories that people had surrounding this subject. And I just want to give an additional warning. I know that obviously the title of the episode should be enough to let everyone know about what the kind of content you're about to listen to will be, but there are some pretty graphic um, examples that will be thrown around this episode, whether it's by me or by clips that I'm going to integrate into the episode. So I just want to give everyone a chance that if hearing about these types of things isn't something that you're ready for or interested in, you know, you can always come back and try to listen to this again later when you're ready. So first I want to acknowledge something about this subject. You know, one of the things I struggle with whenever I'm putting out an episode is I always feel challenged to find the right thing to talk about each and every week because picking one subject means not picking another subject. And that is truthfully, as some of you have already heard me say, the hardest part about doing this, this podcast is shining light on one thing means, you know, not being able to talk about something else as I'm only doing one episode a week. And this feels compounded because with this particular topic, you know, I know that as I dive into this, issue of human trafficking, I'm not going to be able to cover this subject as effectively as I like to. I'm not going to be able to give it the true nuance that it deserves. I'm not going to be able to give it all of the details that all of you really need to understand this fully. And that's because there's just so much information to this subject. It would take literally hours upon hours to give this subject the full uh, breakdown that it deserves. And so as I start to get into this, I just want you all to know that there will be uh, resources at the end, which I will give to all of you to where if you are interested in learning more about this subject, you definitely can, because I will do my best to give you some light touches, but we're not going to be able to get into everything that is needed to be said about this subject. So with all of that being said, I'm ready to dive in now. We're going to talk about what exactly human trafficking is, what it looks like, who it affects, and how we can help as people who are outside of this. So human trafficking, by definition points, is the trade of humans for the purpose of forced labor, sexual slavery, 
by means of force, fraud, or coercion. And now this is something that happens in every single country on the planet. There is not a country that has not been touched by this atrocity known as human trafficking. And there are countless stories to be told throughout all of the people who have been touched by this. But for the beginning of this episode, I'm gonna focus on what happens in Nigeria. Now, in Nigeria, for instance, since the 1990s, there have been hundreds of thousands of women who have been trafficked from Nigeria to Europe and forced into prostitution. And now, I just wanna make a little disclaimer about this because while this has happened to a lot of women, not all women who go to work in sex work in Europe are in fact victims of sex trafficking. Uh, some women do volunteer to do this work. They do voluntarily take themselves out of countries like Nigeria and several other nations and bring themselves into countries in Europe where sex work is in fact legal and they do so of their own you know, volition. You know, with that being said, you know, while some women do volunteer to do this work, that's not really everyone's story. And it's these other people's stories that we're gonna focus on today. So while I was doing this research, I came across, you know, particular, you know, several different people's stories. Uh, the first of which was a woman who talked about, you know, what she thought was something that was gonna be voluntary. She went to Italy and with the intention of doing sex work. But after she arrived there, she realized that, you know, she didn't quite understand exactly what she was getting into. And she decided that this was no longer something that she wanted to do. But unfortunately, the way that the system worked up in Italy was that she had a, a pimp uh, who was referred to as uh, her madame. And this person particularly, uh, apparently, uh, is a pimp for a lot of women in Italy. And this person, you know, forced this particular woman, I, I believe her name was Beauty, to continue to be a prostitute well after she wanted to. And this woman experienced, you know, men constantly assaulting her. Uh, sometimes they would refuse to pay and force, force her to have sex with them anyway. Sometimes under the threat of violence, she recounted times where she was raped at knife point. And there were other men who refused to wear condoms when they would have sex with her. And this ended up becoming something that she no longer wanted to be a part of. But unfortunately, this pimp of hers, who is again referred to as Madame, forced her to stay in prostitution under threat saying that if she left for any reason that she would kill her mother back in Nigeria. And uh, unfortunately, as time went on, um, this woman again, by the name of Beauty, did try to, to run away and leave. And her pimp, Madame, actually did in fact uh, have someone kill her mother back in Nigeria. Not only that, but there are other women who have similar stories. Uh, other women have, were you know, lied to as far as what they thought they were going to do. Some women went up to from Nigeria up into Italy thinking that they were just going up there just for normal types of work. And you know, once they got there, they found out that the work that they were being brought to Italy to do was sex work. And again, you know, these women tried to leave but were you know, beaten and forced to be prostitution, well, forced to be prostitutes under the threats of their lives. And there were so many of these stories. I just, I, I literally had a hard time like writing some of this down. And, and as hard as it was for me to be hearing it, it was, I, I can't imagine actually going through what some of these women have gone through. And the stories, I just, they were just endless. There was another woman who talked about being trafficked to Russia 
where they told her that she was going there to take up a nursing position. And not only was she lied to about that, was when she got there, she herself was forced into prostitution. And she had talked about how when she went to Russia, she was pregnant at the time. And the sex traffickers, you know, once they found out, they, they forced her to have an abortion. So a lot of women who are caught up in this trafficking, you know, especially in Nigeria, uh, they are not sure exactly who to turn to for help, uh, where exactly to go, who to turn to. Uh, thankfully, there are some in Italy who are trying to help these women. Uh, thankfully enough for them, it's also somebody who understands what it's like to be in their shoes. There is a particular um, woman and her husband who are currently taking up this fight in Italy for some of these women who are being trafficked. And I'm going to play a quick clip for you where they talk about their experience trying to help these girls and what it's like for them in Italy. Here's the clip. They did not know what they are coming to do. Though a lot of people argue that they knew, they did not know. Like me, I didn't know. So they are victims. So that is how the program started. Princess knows what she's talking about. 20 years ago, she was a victim of human trafficking, forced into prostitution in northern Italy. That's where she met her husband, Alberto. Together, they founded an organization to support victims of human trafficking. We started to work for supporting victims of trafficking in the years 2000. And now we have a lot of girls in our shelter. The number of the minors is increasing in the last two, three years. We meet girls in the streets, 16, 17, 18, sometimes 15. I was 15 the first time, and I was so devastated. I was so hot that first time. But I don't have any choice by obeying the command. But I never knew I would go to Napoli for prostitution. She, was, she said that if I come out, if I come out from, from my camp, then he will look for a job for me. Then we direct me to my lawyer, process my documents. Oh, that is how she said I should leave the camp. We can, we can speak about prostitution, but really it's slavery. Mm-hmm. Because it's not voluntary yeah. sex work, but it's forced prostitution slavery. The girl work normally from five euro to 20 each customer and cannot uh, decide the place and the time where they work, cannot refuse. And if they don't carry money every day to the madame in the house, the, the madame, they beat the girl and they took the family in Nigeria. And so while it's a good thing that there are some people who are trying to help, there are still so many who fall victim into this life consistently all over the developing world. In Nigeria, particularly, some of the stories that I had just mentioned to you, you know, the traffickers can really be just about anybody. In fact, one of the women in particular who I just referenced, the person who trafficked her to Europe under the pretense of going there for work uh, that she did not know was sex work was in fact a police officer uh, who was originally from Nigeria. And so in some of these countries, you just never know who you can trust, what exactly is gonna happen to you. Uh, Some of these people think that they are going to these places for jobs that are gonna help them out. Nigeria and so many other nations in Africa, in developing world countries, they are just stricken by overwhelmingly extreme poverty. In fact, earlier when I was talking about one of the women who said that that she was going there voluntarily, she was talking about the fact that she was doing the sex work voluntarily because she could not find any sort of employment in Nigeria and about how how she was just willing to do anything to find some kind of work because she was afraid that if she stayed in Nigeria, that she would die. 
just from lack of opportunity. And so she was willing to brave going across the Sahara Desert with absolutely no money, with not even water to drink, resorting to drinking her own urine, and then going to Libya, and then being shipped across the Mediterranean Sea to Italy just so that she could go into sex work in Italy just to be able to provide for herself. It, that is something that I, I can't even fathom. You know, we talk so much about all of the issues happening here in America, and they are very important issues to be addressing. But I got to say, in this moment, all of these issues that I've talked about on this season right now, for the most part, they, they feel just, just small compared to everything that I was hearing from these people and their testimonies. And, and it's not just sex trafficking that happens in these countries. You know, for those of you who follow me on Instagram, you'll notice that I posted a video just yesterday about a man who was, was trafficked for his labor. Uh, so he was abducted and then sent to Libya and sold four different times and was tortured while he was there as people in Libya tried to extort his family for money while, you know, threatening to torture this, this man if the family didn't send money up to Libya for him. And unfortunately, these stories are not unique to Africa. They're not unique to Nigeria. These things are happening everywhere, as I was saying before, including in Europe. And the story that was happening down in Nigeria is similar to the stories happening up in Eastern Europe as well, where countries that are more poor have a high rate of women who are trafficked over into Western Europe for the chance of getting out of extreme poverty. Countries particularly like Bulgaria and Romania have 60% of all the sex workers in Europe. And half of these people are minors. Now they go over to more prominent Western countries like France, the Netherlands, Switzerland, Germany, for a chance to make money for themselves because they do not believe they can find any economic opportunities in their home countries, Romania, Bulgaria, other nations in Eastern Europe, which are struggling immensely with opportunity. In fact, I'm gonna now talk to you about, there is a particularly a Bulgarian woman who talks about her account of being tricked into moving to Germany, where she thought that she was going there with a man that she was in love with, and she thought that going to Germany was going to be a significant upgrade for her life because Germany is a much more rich nation than what she grew up in in Bulgaria. But she quickly found out that the man was not entirely honest about why he was bringing her to Germany. I'm gonna play that clip for you right now. Julia Vega is a lifeline to them. Sasha and Ellie escaped out of sex slavery thanks to her help. They're both from Bulgaria. They grew up in impoverished conditions in the countryside and each fell in love with a man who promised them a life in wealthy Germany. It was only when Sasha arrived here that she realized she'd have to do sex work. Obviously, I refused. But he threatened to kill me and said no one would know where I was. He held me captive for two or three days. And then he put me to work. I'm convinced now that he had actually planned it all along. But when you're in love, you're just blind to everything else and you don't realize it. The boyfriend model is a common method used by sex traffickers. Once they've got control over the woman, they beat her into submission. I had to serve at least 15 or 20 clients a day. So you can reckon around 50 euros per client. But at the end of the month, I was only given two or 300 euros. He took everything else, everything. 
20 clients a day, 20 men that she was forced to have sex with every day, an unimaginable trauma. As soon as the man comes into the room, you switch your brain off. In the sense that you're not there when it happens, in those 15 to 20 minutes. Just like that. You're not there in that place. It's like a protection for your mind. This is one piece that we have not talked about yet at the point of this episode. I have not talked about the level of trauma that is inflicted onto the people who are caught up in this life. I mean, we're not talking about simply just depression or anxiety. We're talking about suicidal thoughts. We're talking about PTSD. We're talking about losing a sense of who you are as a person. And some of these women end up just getting so conditioned to their environment that they actually start depending on these traffickers, these abusers, these just basically slave owners for their self-worth, for dependence. It's a horrendous cycle that so many of these people are stuck in all over the world. And honestly, I can't imagine just the mental health crisis that's taking place into so many of these people, not just those who are still caught up in this, but those who have found a way to get out and have to live with the trauma of this for the rest of their lives. I mean, you're never going to forget being enslaved. And it may not be the slavery that you're thinking of, you know, when you think of maybe Black people in the South in the 1800s, but this nonetheless is modern day slavery. So what we're talking about here, on top of all of that, but in this particular case with this woman, you know, she talks about how she had to have sex with so many partners every single day. And as bad as, as that all is, you know, these traffickers are barely giving them any kind of financial compensation on top of that. So as, as bad as it all is, they're still living in the extreme poverty that they were trying to escape from. And now they have the additional trauma to deal with and the enslavement that they're going through. Thankfully, there are some groups in Germany and other places throughout Europe that are trying to help these people. There is a group called Amelie, who I came across when I was looking at this particular documentary that I pulled that clip from. There are social workers who work for this, for this organization, and they are trying to kind of bridge the gap in Germany and other countries, trying to get some of these workers to trust them. And, and hopefully, you know, once that trust is established, they can help them get out of the life and kind of turn on some of these traffickers so they can identify who they are. But unfortunately, you know, even though that this work is trying to be attempted, it is not the easiest thing in the world to identify who some of these traffickers are, especially in countries like Germany, where sex work is in fact legal. And it's not always the simplest thing to do to figure out if these women are in fact being trafficked or if they're there voluntarily, because sometimes they don't want to admit that they are there under force. And I'm gonna play one more clip for you from retired German police officers who talk about what exactly the challenges are trying to identify some of these traffickers in countries like Germany's because of the laws that are in place. Here's that clip. Since 2015, we've been going to Eastern Europe every year to spend a week traveling around schools and educating the children on what life is like in the Golden West, and in Germany in particular. When we ask the students at the beginning how many of them would like to go to Germany, Switzerland, or Austria once they finish school, 70% raise their hand. 
And that's exactly what organized crime networks exploit, people's willingness to migrate to escape poverty and a lack of prospects. I met one woman who admitted to me in complete shock that she didn't know how terrible things are. She said, I thought because sex work is legal in Germany, it can't be anything terrible. But the reality was very different. She was brutally raped, repeatedly, and then told what she had to do. They're caught in this red-light subculture, much of which is criminal. And other laws apply. It's very much like the Mafia. If you betrayed them, it's considered the worst of all crimes. So to tell others that you're not doing sex work willingly, but were forced into it, is one of the worst forms of betrayal. That's why when you ask them, they're all in the job voluntarily. They insist on it vehemently. He says 90% of sex workers in Germany are forced into the trade. Because the law defines sex work as a voluntary service, it's not a criminal act. Manfred Paulus says that makes it difficult to track down and prosecute those behind the human trafficking. He says people in Romania and Bulgaria can't understand Germany's approach. And so like in the previous two examples here, again, there are people who are trying to combat this atrocity all over the world in every example that I've shown so far. But there are so many people falling through the cracks. It's, it's the equivalent of trying to take a bucket and trying to just pour out water into a boat that's, you know, has a hole in it that's on a lake. You know, there's, there's only so much that so many of these people can do with the limited resources that they have, unfortunately. So I'm glad to be seeing so many people trying to do what they can, but honestly, they, these people, they need more help. And it's not just happening to people in Africa and in Europe. It's also happening to people here in America and it's not just happening to adults, it's also happening to children. And when we come back from the break, I'm gonna talk more about how those things are happening over on this side of the world. We'll be right back. Betty's Divine is a locally owned boutique on the magnificent hip strip in downtown Missoula, Montana that has been a fixture in the Mountain West since 2005. We have a fondness for vintage-inspired clothing, shoes, and accessories for humans, as well as the real deal found in our vintage department, Divine Trash. Betty's Divine presents a snapshot of Northwest styles with an emphasis on street, skate, surf, and rock and roll culture, as well as Americana classics. Alongside a radical selection of clothing, Betty's Divine offers a damn fine array of shoes, jewelry, records, and accessories to satisfy any taste, whatever your age or vibe. You can count on us to prioritize financial, social, and environmental responsibility without sacrificing the look. Visitors enjoy a lovely atmosphere, dreamy tunes, and the best customer service in the West. And you can shop us online at bettysdivine.com. Indie Thought listeners. Has this past year helped you rediscover your creative and crafty side? Well, then you're going to love our sponsor for today's episode. Bathing Beauties Beads is a full-service bead shop in the heart of downtown Missoula. Whether it's seed beads, semi-precious stones, vintage beads, or just materials to make a project, they have something for every person and every price range. Not from Missoula? Don't worry. They have an extensive online store and they will ship directly to you. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, they'll welcome you and help you make your next project a reality. You can find them online at Bathing Beauties Beads on Instagram and Facebook or at bathingbeautiesbeads.com. And don't forget to use offer code INDEPENDENTTHOUGHT at checkout to save 15% on your order. Welcome back from the break, everyone. Thank you for sticking with us through this very, very hard topic for the season finale here of Independent Thought. 
I am just now noticing that I forgot to give my sources for this episode at the top. So I will be giving my sources now before I forget. So the sources for this episode include the U.S. State Department, the U.S. Department of Homeland Security, ABC News, uh, German Public Broadcasting, known as DW, Al Jazeera, and the Great Falls Tribune and the Missoula Current. My first time being able to use local Montana news sources. So that was pretty interesting little add into this one. So transitioning now to talk more about what's happening in other parts of the world. Like I was saying before the break, this is not just happening in Africa or in Europe. Human trafficking is something that is happening in every single part of the globe, every part. In fact, according to the US State Department, there are certain countries that have almost no protections for victims of human trafficking. Some of these countries include Belarus, Iran, Russia, Turkmenistan. These countries are considered by us to have the worst protections for those who are experiencing human trafficking. Because this is happening in Asia, in the Middle East, South America. It's happening over in Southern Asia, where not only are people experiencing sex trafficking, but that's where we see a lot of labor trafficking, which you you are probably more familiar with when you think of sweatshops, massage parlors, people who are being labor traffic for agricultural reasons, for restaurants, for hotels. We have people who are modern day slaves in places like this. Not only that, there's illegal organ trafficking where in countries like Nepal, some people you know, are volunteering their kidneys on the black market for money, but others are not volunteering. Others are abducted, some are forced, some of these people are even children. Now, as far as trafficking is concerned, just excluding sex trafficking, you know, according to the International Labor Organization, in the year of 2014 alone, it was estimated that over $150 billion were made in profits due to forced labor, also known as slavery. And the same organization believes that that figure has maintained, if not increased, every year since then. And that is excluding the money that's made through sex trafficking. So, While I spent quite a bit of time talking about just sex trafficking so far, that is not the only kind of modern day slavery that people are experiencing all over this country, all over this world, uh, including in this country. But the one thing that I haven't talked about yet is the effects that this is having on children, the most vulnerable amongst us. Thailand and Brazil are actually, according to the US uh, State Department, are the two nations with the highest rates of children who are trafficked in the world. According to studies done in those countries, what was found out is that a lot of children are sold into labor, uh, but most of them are trafficked for prostitution and child pornography and that some of these traffickers will coerce the parents into giving up their children because the parents are living in extreme poverty or because they have tremendous amounts of debts that they trade their children for. I'm not gonna lie to you guys. Um, going, Going through these topics is a little unbearable for me. I, I do not know what needs to be done, but collectively, we all need to find a way to address the fact this is happening to so many people in this world. I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk more about that at the end. 
as of 2016, the U.S. State Department concluded that this was an epidemic, not just everywhere else in the world, but also here in America, as it noted that over 60,000 people every year are trafficked into the U.S. That's not including how many people are abducted here in the U.S. and trafficked out of the U.S. But of that 60,000, 70% of them are women who are brought here for sexual exploitation. And I just, I cannot imagine what exactly is going on in our country. You know, I understand that there are probably harder ways to track this in other nations, but it is frankly really disturbing to me that something like this is happening in our country and that we have basically no way of tracking it whatsoever. Yeah, that is just unbelievable to me. And, you know, we like to believe that these things don't happen in America, but they do. They happen all the time. They happen right in front of us. Sometimes they happen at truck stops. Sometimes they happen at gas stations. You know, sometimes they'll happen in hotels all over this country. And ABC actually did um, a few series on this years back. And I'm going to play a quick clip from ABC where they talk about some of the trafficking that goes on here in America. Here's that clip. By night and by day across the country, young American girls controlled by pimps are sent out to have sex for money, sometimes 20 men a night. We had to make at least $1,000 a day. There was no days off. We have to sleep with 10 to 20 strangers per night. I would probably have up to like 20. I was so exhausted. I was so, I didn't want to do it anymore. He hit me a few times. And then he, he had a gun and he pointed it at me and he was like, you need to do what I say. He's like, I will kill you. Savannah was looking at websites when she was lured away. A study says the average age a girl enters prostitution is 12 to 14 years old. So one day, I, I think I was 13. I didn't really know a lot about anything. Mm -hmm. So I went online and I wanted to, I don't know how I came across like this website for like, you know, like sugar daddies, guys would pay for your stuff. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that I would have to have sex with them. Mm -hmm. I just thought they were gonna, I don't know what I was thinking, but I just thought that, you know, they would buy me stuff and mm -hmm. just cause I was pretty, I don't know. I still did not understand what was happening like completely even when we went to the hotel room until it happened. And that is just one way pimps lay the trap. All it does is walk in, and again, it's not that bad. It's At New York's Port Authority, two plainclothes officers, Sergeant Hector Martinez and Officer Jack Collins, tell me, we are surrounded by pimps just out of sight who come here to stalk runaways. The pimps can spot them immediately. But you're in a kind of race against the pimps. Absolutely. They see, so as your left hand side, as soon as they um, walk the into Greyhound, the right. want to be pimps, recruiters, now they this sit is, there, uh, they watch. The officers try to intervene. A lot of the kids are from foster care. A lot have been sexually abused. And the predators know exactly what they hope to hear. They sell them on the idea of a warm place to stay for a night, uh, the possibility, potential for romance, uh, maybe earning some money. So these officers may be the last chance before a girl disappears into the shadows. As referenced in that clip, there is a huge connection between the foster care system and those who are subjected to human trafficking, sex trafficking here in America. In fact, over 60% of all child trafficking victims here in this country, they were once in the foster care system. And the foster care system has so many problems with it. I personally, you know, I'm not gonna name names, but I personally know people who have been, you know, sexually abused in the foster care system. It makes sense to me just how exactly the trauma of being in the foster care system might make people more susceptible to potential sex trafficking, sex traffickers who prey on these people, these children, these young people who just 
are looking for a way out of their current situation. And it's not just children in the foster care system. It can sometimes also just be runaways. In fact, one out of every seven reported runaways become victims of sex trafficking here in America. And a lot of these children are engaged in what's called survival sex, where they're just exchanging sex for basic necessities, food, shelter, just basically trying to stay alive. And it's totally understandable how under those circumstances, underneath that stress, that you could find yourself falling victim to somebody who could basically indoctrinate you into a life that you never thought that you were gonna be a part of. Not only is this happening here in America, this is happening right here in my home state of Montana. Not only are people trafficked through this state, but people get abducted in this state all of the time. Some populations are more vulnerable than others, including our indigenous population. Montana ranks fifth in the nation for murdered, for missing and murdered indigenous persons. That issue is not getting enough coverage. And I promise to bring more light to that in the future because there is a relentless amount of people in our indigenous community who are disappearing all over, not just this state, but this country. And we truly do not understand how it's happening or what we can do to stop it. So definitely want to touch back on that again in the future. There are certain projects that are trying to build more light around this, including the Red Sand Project, which visited Great Falls, Montana two years ago to highlight the human trafficking happening here in Montana. They also sent people to Missoula and Billings, other places here in the state that have experienced trafficking. And if you are one of my Missoula listeners, as I know that 25% of my audience at least is in the city of Missoula where I currently reside, this is happening in our community. Detective Guy Baker of Missoula says that at least 10 cases a year he works on that involve human trafficking right here in our town, Missoula, Montana. This is an epidemic happening everywhere, unbeknownst to so many people who think that this happens in some faraway place. It doesn't. It happens in every corner of the world. It really does. I know that I've said that about three or four times now, but that is for emphasis, truly. We do not honestly understand how widespread of an issue that this honestly is. And I think that as with everything else, it needs to be talked about more. That is not how you solve a problem, but it starts there. It starts with people understanding that it exists, talking about it, trying to find solutions and engaging with those who are making it their mission in life to help. And when I come back from this final break, that is how I'm going to end this episode is by telling you who out there is trying to help and how you can help them address this issue. We'll be right back. Thank you for sticking with me through that last break, everyone. Now, typically at this point in the episode, for those of you who are consistent uh, listeners, you'll know that this is usually the part of the episode where I just kind of close things out, give my final takes and talk about what's coming next with the podcast, so on and so forth. Um, I'm not structuring this episode the exact same way. This is my season finale. There is a lot that I still want to say as far as wrapping up this season and talking about what's coming next, but I felt for the sake of trying to keep this episode um, just talking about this subject of human trafficking, I'm going to save all of that extra stuff for a bonus episode that I'll release next week. So make sure that you're subscribed so that you will hear the updates about what's coming next with Independent Thought in that bonus episode that will come out next week. 
So we are foregoing the normal outro this week because I want to talk about how we can help this cause ourselves. Human trafficking is slavery at the end of the day. It is slavery. And when I decided to do this podcast, it was something that I decided, you know, kind of on a whim. And at first it was just about talking about politics in general, but as time went on and we saw everything that happened about a year ago with George Floyd, I was, I remember sitting there asking myself, what can I do to help injustice period? It wasn't just about racial injustice for me. I, I just wanted to do something that felt significant, that felt like it was helping, that felt like someone would take benefit from it. I just wanted to help people in general. And when I have talked about in the past, topics like voting rights, topics about qualified immunity, and more notably, the concentration camps that are in China, it is subjects like those and this subject here, human trafficking, that really drive home for me why I am doing this podcast. I really want to try to do my best to amplify these stories that are not getting enough coverage in our world. And especially when I think about this topic and what's happening in China, you know, they, they are linked for me because they are both about slavery. And I don't have a direct attachment to every single story that I cover, but as a person with black skin, all I can think about is when I hear topics like this is what would I have done if I was living in that time period where slavery was still in America? How, how would I would have I reacted? And then I think about what's happening here in our modern day. And, and this is slavery. I don't have to imagine how I would have reacted during that time period because slavery is still taking place today. And as somebody who can't imagine living in a country that had slavery happening within its walls and not knowing how people could just sit there and not speak up about it, I refuse to be quiet about these injustices that are happening currently in our world. No one should be. No one should be sitting back and letting these things happen. We can't individually stop these things, but collectively we can all do something if we all just pitch in a little bit together. So let's talk about that really quickly as we round out this episode. Now, I don't think that it's appropriate to go around calling a national human trafficking hotline. You know, if you see just any, you know, like woman out by herself at a truck stop late at night, you know, some women I'm sure are not, I mean, there's plenty of women who are not victims of human trafficking. There are some women who are doing voluntary sex work. And, you know, I'm of the belief that, you know, prostitution should not be illegal. I mean, it should be, vol it should be allowed. That's just my personal belief. But, you know, the fact of the matter is, is that there are plenty of those who are unfortunately in prostitution who are not there voluntarily. And so if you ever think to yourself that you might have come across a person who is in this situation, there is a hotline that you can call here in America. And that number is one 888 373-7888. And that is the national hotline for persons suspected of being victims of human trafficking. If you are looking for more information about this subject, because as I said at the top, there was just no way that I was going to be able to cover this subject correctly in the confines that I wanted to in this episode. I didn't want to put out a three-hour episode, a five-hour episode, a 10-hour episode. Honestly, I could have put out episodes that long and it probably still would not have covered everything that needs to be covered 
in this topic. And so I will come back to this topic in the future because there's just no way to do it justice uh, in one sitting. However, if you are not willing to wait for the next time that I cover this subject, I highly suggest uh, going out there and digging up some more information for yourself. Uh, I don't want to make it as simple as just saying just Google human trafficking, but honestly, that would be a great place to start. I was overrun with the amount of information that was available through numerous articles, publications, YouTube videos, documentaries. There are There is so much information about this subject out there that if you want to learn more, you definitely can, and I definitely encourage it because as I say on every other episode, do not let my information that I provide for you be the last thing that you hear about any given subject. Always go out and do your own research, always. As far as individual organizations that I came across, I did not see the entire list of every organization that's worth uh, checking out, but I did find a few of them here for you. So I'm not just sending you straight to Google. There are a few organizations here that I think are definitely worth your time. And if you were interested in donating to these people or learning more about it, or just ways that you can volunteer, there are these organizations. There is the Global Alliance Against Trafficking in Women. There is another one called Stop the Traffic. There's another one called the Urban Justice Center's Sex Workers Project. And then there's a company called Thorn. Thorn is the final piece of information that I want to leave you with for this episode and for this season. Thorn is a company that was co-founded by an actor by the name of Ashton Kutcher, who I'm sure a lot of you know exactly who that is. Thorn is a company that develops software in order to track human trafficking, specifically geared for tracking child trafficking. And as an end to this episode, I'm going to play you a clip from Ashton Kutcher going to Congress to ask them for funding for Thorn. Now, I highly recommend checking this out. This clip is a little bit longer than the other clips I've played for you. It's going to be more than 10 minutes, but I highly recommend listening to the rest of it. And at the end of this clip, if you are interested in donating to Thorn, go to their website and there is a donate button on their website if you are interested in donating to a company who is actively trying to end human trafficking, sex trafficking, child trafficking, please check it out. Thank you so much for sticking with me through this entire episode. I'll see you next season. Here's that clip of Ashton Kutcher. I'm here today to defend the right to pursue happiness. It's a simple notion, the right to pursue happiness. It's bestowed upon all of us by our Constitution. Every citizen of this country has the right to pursue it. And I believe that it, it, it is incumbent upon us as citizens of this nation, as Americans, to bestow that right upon others, upon each other, and upon the rest of the world. But the right to pursue happiness for so many is stripped away, it's raped, it's abused, it's taken by force, fraud, or coercion, it is sold for the momentary happiness of another. Now this is about the time uh, when I start talking about politics that the internet trolls tell me to stick to my day job. Uh, so I'd like to talk about my day job. My day job is as the chairman and the co-founder of Thorn. We build software to fight human trafficking and the sexual exploitation of children. And that's our core mission. My other day job is that of the father of two, a two-month-old and a two-year-old. And as part of that job that I take very seriously, I believe that it is my effort to defend their right to pursue happiness and to ensure a society and government that defends it as well. As part of my anti-trafficking work, I've met victims in Russia, 
I've met victims in India. I've met victims that have been trafficked from Mexico, victims in New York and New Jersey and all across our country. I've been on FBI raids where I've seen things that no person should ever see. I've seen video content of a child that's the same age as mine being raped by an American man that was a sex tourist in Cambodia. And this child was so conditioned by her environment that she thought she was engaging in play. I've been on the other end of a phone call from my team asking for my help because we had received a call from the Department of Homeland Security telling us that a seven-year-old girl was being sexually abused and that content was being spread around the dark web and she had been being abused and they'd watched her for three years and they could not find the perpetrator asking us for help. We were the last line of defense. An actor and his foundation were the potential last line of defense. That's my day job and I'm sticking to it. I'd like to tell you a story about a 15-year-old girl in Oakland. We'll call her Amy. Amy met a man online, uh, started talking to him. A short while later, they met in person. Within hours, Amy was abused, raped, and forced into trafficking. She was sold for sex. And this isn't an isolated incident. There's not much that's unusual about it. The only unusual thing is that Amy was found and returned to her family within three days using the software that we created, a tool called Spotlight. And in an effort to protect its capacity over time, I won't give much detail about what it does, but it's a tool that can be used by law enforcement to prioritize their caseload. It's a neural net. It gets smarter over time. It gets better and it gets more efficient as people use it. And it's working. In six months, with 25% of our users reporting, we've identified over 6,000 trafficking victims, 2,000 of which are minors. This tool is in the hands of 4,000 law enforcement officials and 900 agencies. And we're reducing the investigation time by 60%. This tool is effective, it's efficient, it's nimble, it's better, it's smarter. Now, there's often a misconception about technology that in some way it is the generator of some evil, that it's creating job displacement, and that it enables violence and malice acts. But as an entrepreneur and as a venture capitalist in the technology field, I see technology as simply a tool, a tool without will. The will is the user of that technology, and I think it's an important distinction. An airplane is a tool. It's a piece of technology. And under the right hands, it's used for mass global transit. And under the wrong hands, it can be flown into buildings. Technology can be used to enable slavery, but it can also be used to disable slavery. And that's what we're doing. I alluded to a phone call that we got from the Department of Homeland Security about this girl that was being trafficked on the dark web. Now, it's interesting to note that the dark web was created in the mid-90s. It was a tool that was created by the Naval Research Lab called TOR, a tool with absolute purpose and positive intention for sharing intelligence communications anonymously. It's also been used to help people who are, are, are being disenfranchised by their government within political dissent in, in oppressive regimes. But on the other side, it's used for trafficking for drug trafficking, for weapons trafficking, and for human trafficking. And it's also the warehouse for some of the most offensive child abuse images in the world. Now, when the Department of Homeland Security called us and asked for our help and asked if we had a tool, I had to say no. And it devastated me. It haunted me. Because for the next three months, I had to go to sleep every night and think about that little girl that was still being abused. And the fact that if I built the right thing, we could save her. So that's what we did. And now, 
If I got that phone call from Greg, wherever you're at, <laughs> the answer would be yes. We've taken these investigation times of dark web material from three years down to what we believe can be three weeks. The tool is called Solus. Once again, I won't go into too much detail about the tool, but it's being used by 40 agencies across the world today in beta, and we believe that it's going to yield extraordinary results. And just like Spotlight, it gets smarter and more efficient and more cost-effective over time. So where do we go from here? What do we need? Obviously, we need money. We need financing in order to build these tools. Technology is expensive to build, but the beauty of technology is once you build the warehouse, it gets more efficient and, and more cost-effective over time. I might be able to present to you a government initiative where next year I come back and ask for less. And to me, that's, that's like, it seems extraordinary. The technology we're building is efficient, it works, it's nimble because traffickers change their modus operandi and we can change ours as well, just as efficiently, if not more efficiently as they can. It's enduring and it only gets smarter with time. We also are collecting data, we have KPIs. We actually understand that if we're delivering value, we increase our efforts in that area. If we're not delivering value, we shut it down. And it's a quantifiable solution. One of my mentors told me, don't go after this issue if you can't come up with a quantifiable solution. We can quantify it and we can make the work that we're doing and the initiatives that you put forth accountable. My second recommendation is to continue to foster these private-public partnerships. Spotlight was only enabled by the McCain Institution uh, and the full support of Cindy McCain and a man that I find to be not only a war hero, but a hero to this issue, John McCain. It wasn't just created by them. There was extraordinary support from the private sector. Uh, company Digital Reasoning out of Tennessee stepped up to the plate. They offered us effort. They offered us engineers. They offered us support and pro bono work. We've had the support of companies that oftentimes war with each other, from Google to Microsoft to AWS to Facebook. And some of our other technology initiatives include many, many other private companies. It's vital to our success. These private-public partnerships are the key. The third thing I'd like to highlight is the pipeline. You know, we sit at the intersection of discovery of these victims, but the pipeline in and the pipeline out are just as vital and just as important, and addressing them are just as important. I'd, I'd like to highlight one thing in particular, that being the foster care system. There are 500,000 kids in foster care today. I, I was astonished to find out that 70% of the inmates in the prison across this country have touched the foster care system, and 80% of the people on death row were at some point in time exposed to the foster care system. 50% of these kids will not graduate high school and 95% of them will not get a college degree. But the most staggering statistic that I found was that foster care children are four times more likely to be exposed to sexual abuse. That's a breeding ground for trafficking. I promise you that's a breeding ground for trafficking. But the reason I looked at foster care is that it's a microcosm. It's, it's a sample set that we have pretty extraordinary data around to date, even though we can't seem to fix it. It's a microcosm for what happens when displacement happens abroad as the unintended consequences of our actions or inactions in the rest of the world. When people are left out, when they're neglected, when they're not supported, and when they're not given the love that they need, to grow, it becomes an incubator for trafficking. And this refugee crisis, if, if, you, if we want to be serious about ending slavery, we cannot ignore it and we cannot ignore our support for this issue in that space because otherwise we're going to deal with it for years to come. The outbound pipeline, there's just not enough beds. The bottom line is, once, people, once someone is exposed to this level of abuse, it's a mental health issue. And there aren't enough beds, there's not enough support, and we have to have the resources on the other side. Otherwise, the recidivism, the recidivism rates are through the roof. 
it's, it, it's astonishing because when Maslow's hierarchy and needs are not being met, people resort to survival, and if this is their means of survival and the only source of love that they have in their life, that's what they go for. So we have to address the pipeline out, and we have to create support systems on the other end. It's not an entitlement. It's a demand to end slavery. My fourth and final recommendation is the bifurcation of sex trafficking and labor trafficking. They're both aberrations. They're both awful. They're both slavery, and they're both punitive, in fact. But the solution sets are highly differentiated. When you look at sex trafficking, a victim is most often present at the incident of commerce. And, and this, this provides an opportunity for, for drastic intervention. Whereas in labor trafficking, the victims are being hidden behind the manufacturers and the merchandisers. And it requires an entirely different set of legislation and proactivity and enforcement in order to shut it down. Now, there's a lot of rhetoric that's going on in the world right now about job creation in the United States. Well, if we want to create jobs in the United States, I would ask you to consider eliminating slavery from the pipelines of corporations. Because a lot of that slavery is happening abroad. And if we ask those corporations under extreme pressure that if you don't change it, you are going to be penalized. And if you don't clean up that pipeline, it's going to mean trouble. And they're forced with two decisions. They can either clean up the pipeline abroad, or they can move the jobs to the United States of America where they can be regulated and supported. Bringing jobs to America can be the consequence of doing the right thing, or it can be the consequence of doing the wrong thing. But that choice is up to you. Now, it's not lost on me that all of this disruption in our marketplaces is going to have economic backlash like that is not lost on me at all but I ask you do you believe that Abraham Lincoln had to consider the economic backlash of shutting down the cotton fields in the south when he shut down slavery because I'm sure that weighed on his mind you know happiness can be given to no man it must be earned it must be earned through through generosity and through purpose but the right to pursue it, the right to pursue it is every man's right. And I beg of you that if you give people the right to pursue it, what you may find in return is happiness for yourself. Thank you.